0: Many others have, many of them will do a better job than what I can, but this is what the Lord put on me this morning and uh, I had the opportunity to preach last night at Valley View, I'm thankful for that, I'm thankful that any time that we get to preach we don't want to turn it down, amen, we want to go out and, and try to spread the gospel the best that we can and to try to preach God's word as much as we can, but I've preached this before but I've not preached this message before. As we look at this familiar scripture, today God brought it in mind as we think about worship. I want to preach on being compelled by love to worship God in spirit and in truth. If you're in Luke chapter 7, let's look at verses 36 through 50. You'll know, uh, you'll know the story. So Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself and said, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who... And what manner of woman this is who is touching him? For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. He said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen? Amen. I'm so thankful that this moment in history was recorded, because there's so much that we can learn from just, uh, uh, honestly, a man could spend his lifetime in that scripture and never hit the bottom of that well. But I just want us to look together this morning and really search our hearts together. I want us to see the goodness of God. And I want us to see just how worthy He is to be worshipped. And I want us to see how we do that really matters. How we worship matters. And I want to use this Scripture to compare the two types of hearts that are on display in that story. And that's what I hope that we can see. In, In this Scripture, you've got the heart of a Pharisee and you've got the heart of a sinner. You've got the heart of a self-righteous person. And you've got the heart of a person who's being saved. First, I hope that you can be aware this morning that at times we can approach worship with the heart of the Pharisee. And if you'll read it again, you're going to notice that the Pharisee is someone who wanted to be acquainted with Jesus. He wanted to, I assume, maybe better understand Jesus' teachings or maybe see a miracle or ask some questions. And so he wanted to be acquainted and so he invites him over for dinner. Now the fact that he's a Pharisee should tell us some things, right? It, It means something. A Pharisee was someone who was respected, we have little respect for Pharisees today because we see the way that the Lord viewed them in the Scripture, but in their day they were very respected. This, this man was no doubt someone who strived to keep the law and the traditions of the law. He probably did it the best that he knew how. He knew the Scriptures. He had studied the Scriptures. He had he had went over them diligently memorizing them. He probably prayed often. To be a Pharisee, he would have had to have be been uh, diligent in fasting. He would have had to have been someone who was diligent to tithe as was in the law, was commanded in the law. He was probably very faithful to gather in the temple for worship, to go to the synagogue. He would have been a very religious man, an upright man in many ways. He would have been considered a a leader amongst the people. A man that no doubt protected his reputation and was careful. A man who others would want to have them lead. I, I, I would say to you this morning that in many respects, if we met a Pharisee, we would think highly of them. And if you didn't, you would be one of the few, I think, that wouldn't. But there was something in the heart of the Pharisees that was wrong. There was something that was missing, something that wasn't right at all, something that they just didn't have. And later at the end of Jesus' ministry, we're going to go look at that, he directly confronts the Pharisees. He stands before a crowd. It's it's around the time of the Passover and a crowd was beginning to gather. The Pharisees were in the midst of a great crowd of people and Jesus confronts them directly and He warns the people. He points out the Pharisees and He warns them as they look at Him and He says, Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't follow them. And He begins to reveal the truth about the Pharisees and he begins to reveal what's not right in the heart of the Pharisees and what's missing in their hearts and I want us to look together there for just a minute to understand the message that I felt like God wanted me to give go to Matthew chapter 23 now In Matthew chapter 23 we'll just read uh, the verses 1 and 2 to start it says then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples and he said The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. This means they were sitting in a seat of of self-given authority. They had decided that they were an authority, that they were to be respected, that they and only they could really dictate truth and that they were to be admired by people. They were to have authority over people. They got to determine what was right and wrong. They got to determine what they thought was appropriate worship and not. They got to determine who was saved and who wasn't. Now this wasn't true, but this is what they thought. This was their mindset. We decide who's worthy and who's not worthy. And if you look down in verse 13, you're going to see that Jesus confronts them directly about this. He pronounces judgment on them about this because He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. In other words, they saw themselves as the doorkeepers to heaven. They, they got to decide who was going to go and who wasn't. They didn't even realize themselves that they weren't entering into heaven. They didn't understand that they were hindering other people from entering in. See, the Pharisees, and all their good efforts, they were leading people away from salvation. They were leading people away from Christ. They were swallowed up in pride. They trusted in themselves. They trusted in their own authority that they had given to themselves. They trusted in works. And you may be thinking... What does that have to do with me and what does that have to do with my heart and what does that have to do with my worship today? Well friends, I'll be happy to tell you this morning, but I don't know that you'll love what I have to say. Because sometimes the reality is we come into God's house with that same attitude of pride that the Pharisees had. We come in thinking that we're doorkeepers to God's kingdom. We come in to worship thinking that somehow God needs us to evaluate what everybody else is doing or not doing and decide who's worthy and who isn't. Friends, remember in Romans what Paul said. He said, who are we to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands, to his own master he falls. Amen? Is that not what we see when you look back in Luke chapter 7? Do you not see the Pharisee? Did he not look at the woman and say, uh, if this man were really a prophet, he would have known what manner of woman this was that was touching him, for she's a sinner. To that Pharisee, that woman would have never been allowed entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Never. Ain't you glad... That the Savior said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. He didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but he came to call the sinner to repentance. Amen. I'm thankful for that this morning. I'm so thankful today. I want you to see it. I want you to see, right, that when we come into God's house or when we go into God's presence with a pride filled heart, that causes us to look down on other people that causes us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think uh, uh, that causes us to focus on the sins of others around us but overlooks our own sins when we come and 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 come into worship and we trust in our own selves and we instead of trusting in Christ then we're coming to worship in the spirit of the pharisees and we need to know this morning that God is not pleased with that. And neither will He accept that worship from us. Can I tell you something this morning that, that, that people won't like? Not all worship is accepted by God. There's a way for us to worship God. And when we drag pride We're looking down on others and we think somehow that they're a worse sinner than we are. We're missing the point this morning. God doesn't want us to come to Him in pride. God resists the proud. God gives grace to the humble. God hates pridefulness. He hates arrogance. And we must never let ourselves come to the Lord in pridefulness to worship. You know what it reminds me of? It reminded me of the story, and and, and I'm jumping around this morning, I know that, but it reminded me of the story in Luke chapter 18. Right in Luke chapter 18, you have the, the story there in verses 9 through 14. It says, He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Now that's who He was speaking to. People who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Now, do you see that part? He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Do we not do this sometimes? Do we not come into God's house with our chest puffed out and we think because we... uh, uh, we, read six chapters this week and, and we know that so and so didn't read at all, man, we're more spiritual. Right? Or, or, or I haven't missed a Sunday in four years. So I've got to be more spiritual than you. And we come in and we look down on others and that is not what God has called us to do. That is not the attitude that God wants us to have. And so Jesus tells him this parable to show him. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. There he is again. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I thank you that I'm not an extortioner, that I'm not unjust or an adulterer, or even as this tax collector. Now look what he says. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. And I tell you, Jesus said this. He said, I tell you, that man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen? Brethren, if you want to get close to God, you've got to get low in pride. If you want to get close to God, if you want God to exalt you, if you want to be lifted up by the hands of God, then you've got to humble yourself down and stop thinking that you're something. Stop trusting in all your works. I'm telling you today, that describes us perfectly. We love to stand... And and, and, and and listen, we don't mean it to be boastful. I, I know that we don't. I don't believe that Pharisee. I used to think he was just arrogant and bragging. I don't think that at all anymore. Now I look at that, you know what I see? A man who depended on his works. A man who said, God, thank you that I'm not... In, uh, in this sin and I'm not in that sin I'm not in this sin and I'm not in that sin and God I thank you that I I tithe and I fast and I do these things and he thought somehow that God was more pleased with him because he did those things than he was with the sinner but what the sinner had on him that he didn't realize is the sinner saw his sinfulness. And he saw God's holiness. And friend, if you want to get close to God, the best thing that you can do is see your sinfulness and see God's holiness. Stop looking around at everybody else. Stop looking at your husband. Stop looking at your wife. Stop looking at your neighbors and your friends and everybody else. And stop saying, well, they don't do this and they don't do that. Just look at you. Look at you. Let God deal with them Amen. let's go on a little farther Matthew 23 3 to 5 look at what else he says he's he's going he's now listen he's tearing down these Pharisees he said therefore whatever they tell you to observe that observe and do but do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. They bind heavy burdens that are hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Let's stop there for just a minute. So what we just read is we don't want to come to worship in pride and now what we just read was we don't want to come to worship in hypocrisy. Look at the Lord's words again. He says, Whatever they tell you to observe and do, do it. Do it. You know what the thing is about the Pharisees? A lot of the things the Pharisees taught were truth. They possessed the truth, but they held the truth in hypocrisy. They were not willing to do what they were telling other people they should do. They were not willing to live the way they were telling other people to live. They did not practice what they preached. And you might say again, what does that have to do with me and my worship this morning? You know what happens sometimes? Sometimes we come in for worship and we come in this same kind of hypocrisy. The things that we expect of other people, we're not willing to do ourselves. Amen? The things that we require of others to be considered just in our eyes, we don't require it of our own self. We have high expectations of everybody else and we lower the standards for ourselves. And church, God is not well pleased with that. He's not well pleased with that. If we're going to come to worship, we need to come to worship living in the truth that we believe. We need to live out our faith to the best of our ability. And the same mercy... That God shows us, we need to show to others. Let's look at another form of hypocrisy. Matthew 23, same chapter, 23 and 24. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You blind guides who strain out a net and swallow a camel. Sometimes, church, listen to me now. I, I know this ain't the sermon maybe some of you wanted this morning, but but this is what the Lord gave me. Sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on the things that we do well, and we judge people that don't do those things well with some harshness. But we put little emphasis on the things that we ignore. Let me give you an example. Maybe you read your Bible diligently every day. And by the way, that's fantastic. And you talk about how you love to read your Bible. And you tell other people the power and the and the great experience you have when you read your Bible every single day. And you tell them they ought to do the same thing too. But there's somebody that you know that don't read their Bible as much every day as you do, and you look down on them for that. You judge them harshly and you begin to make yourself superior spiritually. But at the same time, you really struggle with your prayer life. But you know what you don't do? You don't go around talking about the importance of prayer. You're happy to tell people about the importance of Bible reading because you're a good Bible reader. But you don't really mention prayer much because you're not that good at it. And when somebody mentions it to you, you just ignore them and go on. And you know what that is? Hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Do you know what happens when we do that? You know what we're doing? We're choosing the things that we think are important and binding them on everyone else. We expect, we all have a tendency to do this. We expect everyone to do what we're doing. And we don't want to pay any attention to the things that we're not doing. When it, it, I, I preached last night, and I, I guess this is why this was on my mind this morning, but I was reading, and I was, of course, I was using it in the context of marriage. But I was reading about in, in Matthew seven, there I don't have on the screen, Thomas, where Jesus told them, He said, "Why do you behold the speck in your brother's eye, but you won't get the beam out of your own eye?" How often do we do that? Come on, are you guilty this morning? I'm guilty. Right? We begin to look at the speck and everybody else, but refuse to see the beam in our own. You know what we do? We decide which commandments and which scriptures we're going to take seriously, and which ones it's okay to neglect. We cherry pick the parts of the Bible that we want to follow that's easy for us and we ignore the hard parts not realizing that everybody else is trying to do the same thing. That everybody's struggling with something this morning. And it's all hypocrisy. You know why it's hypocrisy? Because all of God's Word is good for instruction and righteousness. You don't get to pick one and leave another one out. You don't get to say, I'll follow this commandment, but not that commandment. I like this scripture, but I don't really care for that scripture. Or I'll follow this one, but I'm not doing that one. We don't have the right to pick them. We've got to go by them all. Amen? Amen? And when we come to worship, we should acknowledge that truth Acknowledge that all of God's Word is good and perfect, and that we, along with everybody else sitting in this room today, me, you, the person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, across from you, guess what? Every one of you's come short this week of the glory of God. So, how do we come to worship? We come in humility, we come recognizing that, you know what? I don't need to look down on Brother Joel. But you know what I know about Joel? Joel sinned this week. And I could sit in that pew and I could try to imagine all the ways that Joel sinned and how much worse of a sinner he is than me. But the truth is today, I'm an equal sinner as him. And he's an equal sinner like me. And so are you. And so are they. And so is everybody else. Go on, 25 through 28, let me read that. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. That's not just true about Pharisees, that's true about us. On the outside the Pharisees seemed to be clean. They got it all together. They're admired for their walk with God, but inwardly what Christ saw in them was their filthiness and their unrighteousness. They kept up appearances. They made a good show of themselves. They convinced others that they were righteous and worthy of admiration, but the truth was they were not clean. They were unworthy. They were guilty. They were broken. But they were more concerned about how others viewed them than about their true condition. They were more concerned about the appearance of godliness rather than honesty and truth. And friends, when we come to worship like that sometimes, we come and we put on a show. We don't come in spirit and truth. We come in faintness and deception. We want others to think of us as spiritual giants see us more spiritual than we are, like we've got it all together, let me tell you something, none of us have it all together. Can I tell you something I've noticed that concerns me over the years? You may think it's off topic, but it's really not. I've noticed over the years, since pastoring here and other places that I've got the opportunity to preach, there's been a great decline in the use of an altar. I remember services here where the altars were filled. Amen. I mean, out towards the front row of the pews and you could hear people crying. And you could hear them talking to God. And you know what you don't hear anymore? You don't hear a lot of that, do you? Well, you know what? We, we, we have a tendency to hear the truth. But out of sheer pride and hypocrisy, we abandon the altar out of concern about what others might think of us. Come on, let's truth this morning. We'll stand back there with our hands like this, And knowing full well that we need the altar. Knowing full well that the truth of God's Word has spoken to our hearts and that God has pierced through the darkness and brought light to sin in our life. And we'll stand back there with our arms crossed and our jaws clenched because we don't want anybody else in the church to wonder what we've gotten into. We abandon the worship of God for the fear of men. We'll hide brokenness. We'll, We'll resist confession of sin out of concern about how others view us. And with that, God is not well pleased. We're to come to worship in spirit and in truth. Not in pride and hypocrisy. You don't come in and... I don't come to church, friend, and worry about what times he's going to think about me. I come to church and worry what will God see in me. Where is the concern for godliness? Where is the concern for, for worship? Where is the concern for sin that plagues us Listen, don't you get tired of the same battles over and over? Don't you want to lay them down? Don't you want to get deliverance? You find that in closeness to God. You don't find it in fear. You don't find it sitting in a pew with your arms crossed. You find it at an altar with tears in your eyes. pride, and hypocrisy that will deaden our worship. They'll make our eyes closed and our ears unable to hear. And they'll keep us from the Lord if we're not careful. If you don't think your pride will keep you from the Lord, think again. Amen. God will resist you if you come in pride. Yeah. But not if you're humble. Amen. He is near to the broken. Not near to the prideful. Now let me take you back to Luke chapter 7. And I want you to see the other heart very quickly. I just want you to get a glimpse of this other heart that was on display in the Pharisee's house. Verses 37 and 38. Listen, it says, Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet. Behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Let me ask you a question. Do you see any pride and hypocrisy in that? Is she looking down on other people? Was she, was she looking at laying at Jesus' feet and looking up and saying, I'm better than these Pharisees? No. You don't see any evidence of pride. You don't see any evidence of hypocrisy. In fact, you see the opposite of those things. You see a woman that's not looking at anybody else at all. She's not, listen, it's almost as if that she doesn't even think anybody else is in the room but her and Christ. She's looking at Christ. She's not looking at Simon. She's not looking at the disciples. She's not looking at the other people gathered in the house. She's got her eyes fixed on the Savior. And she comes in, and listen, there ain't nothing going to distract her uh, from Him. She didn't care if they saw her tears. She didn't care if they heard her weeping. She didn't care if they smelt the fragrant oil. She didn't care about those things. All she cared about was worshiping the Savior. (laughs) When's the last time you worshiped like that? When's the last time... That you were so focused on Christ that you quit worrying about how everybody else was living and just worried about you and God. When's the last time you busted through the doors of that church and didn't look around to see who was here and who's not? Didn't look around to see if so-and-so did this or said that or come in and gossip about this thing or that thing? When's the last time you busted through and said, I want to get at the feet of Jesus? What she did, she lost all sight of everything else except Christ. And there's a lot to learn for us in that. We look at this thing and we look at that thing and we weigh out this and we weigh out that. And we think about this and we consider that. But the reality is this morning, the the thing that needed to drive you to church this morning, the thing that needed to make you want to be here this morning was that Jesus would be worshipped by you. She didn't come in a show. She didn't come in pride. She didn't come in hypocrisy. She came in humility as a sinner that loved the Savior. I'm inclined to believe that this wasn't the woman's first time interacting with the Lord. I can't prove it scripturally. So let me say that up front. But I believe that she had probably heard that message of salvation and repentance from sin and faith in Christ before. I believe that she was already overwhelmed by Him. And so when she found out that He was going to be near and that He was going to be coming, and listen, there was nothing going to stop her from coming to worship. Amen. She brought that flask of oil because she knew what she was going to do. She came with the intention of magnifying the Lord. She came with the intention of worship and she didn't care who it offended. She didn't care how many Pharisees were going to judge her. She didn't care how many. I, I hear people say, time, well, I go to church, but I get judged. You know what? If you loved the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you would not even care who was judging you. You would be here to magnify the Lord. You wouldn't worry about the Pharisees in the midst of the church. You wouldn't worry about those that might be snubbing their nose at you because you didn't come for them. You came for Christ. That's what she did. She came for Christ. I I like to think and imagine maybe she was in the crowd when they were going to stone the woman caught in adultery and she... She saw what Christ did and how Christ told them, let you, let those among you without sin cast the first stone and how he, how he lifted her up off the ground and said, where are thine accusers? Neither do I condemn thee. Go your way and sin no more. Maybe she saw that and she thought, my goodness, what manner of man is this? Maybe she was there when Jesus preached one of his great sermons or when Jesus was teaching and she heard the message. I don't know what it was. But I believe that when she walked in that house, she knew two things. He was a Savior and she was a sinner. And I believe she knew it with all her heart and I believe she came with one purpose and that was to get with Christ and to worship Him as a Savior. And when she came as a sinner, just like that old tax collector, standing afar off, saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. When she acknowledged her sinfulness, listen, Christ took notice. And let me tell you something this morning. When you acknowledge yours, Christ will take notice of you. When you let go of pride and say, you know what? Man, it don't matter what I've done or not done. It don't matter where I've been or not been. I know one thing this morning when I busted through that church door, I knew with all my heart that I was a sinner and that Christ was a Savior. And I needed Him. And I didn't want anything to stop me from worshiping today. Nothing. And nothing was going to stop her. She decided that Jesus was worth more to her than anything else. He was worth more than her expensive bottle of anointing oil. He was of greater glory than her hair. Listen, there's... there. I, I Don't get mad at me. There's women today, if it was raining outside, they wouldn't come to church because they'd pray their hair would mess up in the parking lot. I tell the truth I'm telling the God's honest truth (laughs) when she realized Christ was there there was nothing to stop her. And it's like worship just poured out of her. It's like it just poured out. Her eyes just being near him, just laying eyes on him, her eyes flooded with tears didn't say that he said anything particularly profound in that moment. It didn't say that he did anything particularly emotional. He was just sitting down and eating. But when she got in his presence, everything about her changed. Her eyes couldn't hold back the tears. Her hair dropped down, and she was willing to wash his feet with her tears, and they would have been dirty because he said, I came into your house and you did not wash my feet. And listen, he had them old dirty feet that he drove through the sand and the mud and the dirt all day long, and she dropped her hair down, and as the tears flowed down, it washed that dirt. And I can just imagine the uh, streaks that went across his feet uh, and she took and dried the water from her tears off of his feet because she loved him! And we're fighting battles with people who profess to be Christian to get them to even come. I'm less and less convinced I'm not going there. Let me ask you this morning, church. Let me ask you an important question. And I want you to really consider it for just a minute. How does your worship compare to hers? Boy, you talk about this morning when God asked me that question when I when it came into my mind and into my heart you talk about guilt I'm guilty this morning church I'm not listen I'm not standing up here today as an example like I ought to be I'm standing as a guilty man the chief of sinners in this place this morning because my worship falls far short of what this woman did for the Lord in that moment. we got to be real honest this morning. Most of the time in my life, my heart resembles the Pharisee more than the sinner. Now let me explain to you why before we finish up. And I know you're ready to go. Jesus tells the Pharisee why it is this way. 44 through 47 in Luke chapter 7, he said, he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? You see, Simon acted like he didn't even acknowledge her. And Jesus said, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman's not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. It's right there in plain sight what the difference between those two hearts really were. The difference was she loved much and he didn't love at all because he never saw himself as a sinner. He never saw himself that way. He looked at her with content. He saw her sins. He saw all the things that was wrong with her and never saw anything wrong with him. And guys, listen to me this morning as I cut it straight this morning, okay? Don't, don't get offended. Don't get hurt. But the reality is we sit in the church Sunday after Sunday and do the same thing. Now maybe not all of us. Maybe I'm not preaching to everybody this morning, but I'm preaching to some of you. And I'm definitely preaching to me. We come in in the same way, not seeing ourselves as sinful, but seeing ourselves as something wonderful. And we bounce in the church as if everybody should be uh, glad and, and feel so blessed to see us. But the reality is this morning, we all walk through those doors as sinners Now I'm thankful this morning, and I don't want to beat you down, because I'm thankful this morning that we are sinners that have been saved by grace. I'm thankful this morning that we have the righteousness of Christ that's applied to us. And I'm thankful this morning that God has cast our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And I'm thankful that He doesn't even bring them into His own remembrance. But the Scripture says He's put them behind His back. But this morning, you need to remember and so do I, where we were, who we were, So dried up? Why do I feel so cold and complacent and and and, and why do why does why do, why am I having such a difficult time and why am I doing all these things? I'm gonna tell you why. In Revelation chapter two, the church at Ephesus was struggling with the same things, and the Lord spoke to the church at Ephesus. And he said, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And this is what he says. I know your works. I know you've got things that you do. I know your labors. I know your patience. I know that you cannot bear those who are evil. I know that you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. And you have persevered and you have patience and you've labored for my name's sake and have become and have not become weary. But nevertheless, I have this against you. Are you ready? You've left your first love. They, they were doing all kinds of good things for the Lord. But they could not worship God in a way that pleased Him. You know why? Because they left their first love. That's that same love that that woman had that evening at a Pharisee's house. A love that recognized that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And friend, let me tell you, when your worship is cold and dead, you can point the finger at a lot of things. We could come up with seven-point sermons and five-point sermons and, 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 and three reasons why and all these things, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to one thing when worship gets cold and your eyes won't cry and your tears are dried up and you don't feel anything, it ain't because God's not good. It ain't because the church service ain't good. It ain't because you can't feel the Spirit. It ain't because of those things. It's because you have left your first love. You have lost your thankfulness and your gratitude towards God. And you're no longer impressed with the fact that Christ died for you. And you've got to do what the Lord told these folks to do. He said remember from where you've fallen repent and go back and do the first works again. Repent and go back and get on your knees and remember that you're the sinner but that God saved you by His grace and His alone. That the finished work of Christ, the blood of Jesus all these things that God did for you And let that reignite your heart to worship. You want to know love this morning? We'll talk about Valentine's Day. You want to know what love is? Love is a Savior that would die for sinners. Knowing that those same sinners would be so ignorant at times that they would forget the goodness of the love He displayed. And that He would have to come back and remind them To love him again. But yet he still loves us. What what could possibly separate us from the love of Christ? Could height or depth, could famine or peril, could sickness, could anything separate us? Lord know the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Not even our. But be reminded this morning, be compelled to worship because of love. That's what compelled that woman. Let's stand to her feet. There's a truth that you got to be reminded of in, in, in Titus chapter 3. He said it was not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Listen, I don't know anything about anybody in here this morning. I've not been checking up on you. I've not called your friends, your family, your spouse. I've not talked to your place of employment. I don't know a thing about you. But you might be in here today and be a sinner. You might be in need of a Savior. And the good news for you today is that the Savior stands ready to save. His hand is not shortened that He cannot save. Wherever you are today, He is able to save to the uttermost. There's none like Him. And if you want salvation this morning, you can have it. But you've got to be willing to humble yourself down and admit that you're a sinner. Amen? Got to be able to admit your sinfulness. And boy, when you do, you'll find the love of a Savior that'll wash your sins away. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I want to open this altar up to you this morning. How's your worship been? I'm just asking you this morning, how's your worship been? I'm not trying to burden you. I'm not trying to beg you. But how's your worship? How's your love for Christ? Pray together. Father, we come before you. God, we're so thankful for your faithfulness, God. But Lord, in me, God, there's a sinfulness, a pride that needs to be broken, God. Lord, in me, at times there's hypocrisy. That's so thick you could cut it with a knife. At times when I'm so busy looking at everybody else that I don't even get my eyes on you to worship God. And God, I beg for your forgiveness this morning. I beg you, God, to be merciful to me, a sinner. I want nothing more, God, than to live a life that glorifies you and honors you, God. But, Lord, I know that if I'm going to worship in spirit and truth, I'm going to have to get my mind and heart right, God. God, in, in a way, Lord, and I know maybe, God, that it's a confession, God, but in a way I'm envious of the woman that we read about and the love that she had for you, God, and the way that she came in, Lord, and was willing to pour it all out and how sometimes, God, I'm so ashamed of myself this morning, God, that sometimes, God, I come in and I'm reserved and I'm I'm bitter and cold, God, because I haven't prepared my heart for worship, God, and I'm, I'm not come in humility, but come in pride, God, and I'm sorry. And I want you to forgive me, Lord. And I thank you, God, this morning that I recognize my sinfulness, And I pray you continually remind me of my sinfulness, God. So that I might continually exalt you as a great Savior, Lord. God, I pray that you light our church on fire. I pray, God, that every heart in here today, God, I'm asking you, Lord. You said we have not because we ask not. And I'm asking this morning, God, That every heart in this place would be lit on fire for you, God. Lord, I pray, God, that our worship would be so real and genuine. That our love would be so abounding, God. That it would be unmistakable, God, to the world. But more importantly, God, that it would be pleasing to you. God, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of every song we could ever sing. You are worthy of every prayer we could ever pray, every scripture we could ever read or preach or teach. You're worthy of every minute we could spend in the house of God or in prayer with you. God, you're worthy today. God, that you would save a sinner like me. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. But that you still came and died for me. That you still would love somebody like me. I thank you, God. I thank you for your steadfast love. I thank you for mercy that never fails. I thank you for grace that's undeserved. God, I pray, Lord, that you revive our hearts for worship. For love, God. Help us to love you the way you deserve to be loved, God. To see your beauty. Help us to see our faults and not others. Help us to look beyond hypocrisy and pride. And to see only you. We love you this morning. God, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. We thank God for you. Listen, don't forget about Brother Kevin's prayer sheet over there if you've got, if you've got time to pray. Uh, you know, if you can't do a full hour, sign up, and just write 30 minutes beside her, or whatever you can do will be a great deal. Thank you for coming today. Come back.